When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello and welcome. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 432 of Sustainable Minimalist. This is a show about intentional and eco-friendly minimalist Living. On today's show, we are identifying our shopping triggers once and for all. We are all united in one thing, and that one thing is this each and every one of us has at least once in our lives bought something on impulse. Why do we do this? Why do we go against our long term best interests in favor of a short term win? A listener reached out to me and she said she is having quite a difficult time with her no-spend month precisely because she feels triggered to shop everywhere she looks. And so this episode is for you, Mary, but it's also for everyone, whether you're currently in the middle of your no-spend January or not. This episode is for everyone looking for more insight into their shopping triggers. And so what's a trigger? Well, you may not know this about me, but I have a major temper, (laughs) a major one. Uh, And a big trigger that brings my anger to the forefront is injustice in some way. When someone does or says something that's either not true or not right or not warranted, my temper tends to flare. I'm working on it. I'm working on noticing this trigger and inserting that pause before blowing a gasket (laughs) I am working on it. And so if I'm working on inserting a pause before getting angry, today we're working on inserting that shopping pause before we buy. Because where is the best place to insert that pause and when? The best place to insert that pause is immediately after we encounter a trigger. A shopping trigger is anything that entices you to buy. It can lead you to immediately buy something, or in many cases, a trigger sets up a series of steps and events that culminate in the act of buying. So maybe today, but perhaps tomorrow, perhaps over the weekend. Now, in the book, To Buy or Not to Buy, Why We Overshop and How to Stop, author Dr. April Bensom identifies five different types of shopping triggers. And we're going to go through them on today's show one by one, because knowing what your shopping triggers are is the most important first step toward managing them. And once you're aware of the factors that entice you to shop, you can more effectively insert that pause so that you can find alternate ways of dealing with them and so that you are less enticed to buy by these triggers going forward. 
And by the way, every trigger we're discussing today, I am also going to take a commonly bought item and I'm going to apply it. So for example, my major struggle in this no spend month, the thing that I have really had trouble not spending money on is unnecessary food, like takeout, let's say, or stopping for a coffee. And so we will be applying the food to the concept of a physical trigger. And if that makes no sense right now, stay with me. It'll make sense in a moment. And so, yes, we have five triggers to discuss, five shopping triggers to go through today. But before we hit the first one, I want to just mention that as it turns out, being a human is reason enough to be inclined to overspend and impulse shop. Our human brains have figured out that shopping is indeed a fabulous way to trigger the release of dopamine, which, of course, is that feel-good neurotransmitter. Shopping connects the association between buying something new and feeling good, and the emotional reward becomes so ingrained in us that all of a sudden it's a habit and it won't let up. There's also the fact here, too, that not only are we human, but we're human in a culture that prioritizes economic growth above all else. Advertising and the media, they shape our material desires And then, so our desires are shaped, and then guess what happens? The credit industry swoops in and makes our desires seem tantalizingly affordable, (laughs) even though they're not. So I really want to just drill down the fact that from cradle to grave, we are indeed programmed to purchase. We are trained to buy. And it's all to promote the economic engines that keep our way of life alive and well. These messages that entice us to buy, they are created with such immense psychological sophistication, and they lead us to mistakenly associate products we don't need with feeling states that we deeply desire. Now, I don't have any serious suggestions on how to stop being human or how to single-handedly change our culture's priorities. (laughs) I don't know. That is all beyond my level of expertise. But I do believe it is helpful to know what forces we're up against as we move into identifying the five triggers that, well, trigger us. And so let's move into the first one, according to Dr. Bradensum. And that, of course, is the situational triggers. A situational trigger is a person, a place, a thing, or a situation that elicits the unexpected desire to buy something. So here are some examples. How about seeing a sale sign in a store window or receiving an email about a sale at your favorite store? How about having a vacation or having some other big event on the calendar and you need to buy a new outfit for it? How about getting compelled to buy a new garment or new shoes after you saw someone else wearing it? Those are all situational triggers. And oftentimes, situational triggers are paired with emotional triggers, which we'll get to in a minute. When a situational trigger is paired with an emotional trigger, that, in my humble opinion, is a recipe for disaster. But let's stay with situational triggers for a moment. The item I want to talk about, or the group of items I want to talk about when we're talking about situational triggers, is the random stuff online. The random stuff online to me screams situational trigger. 
If you find yourself constantly in the situation of scrolling on your phone or seeing all those emails with the sale alerts in your inbox, step one is always to change up your situation. Change up your situation by getting off your phone, getting off the tablet, getting off the apps and websites that are especially triggering for you. Step two is also to restrict your knowledge about sales, which is to say, get off their marketing lists, cancel those catalogs. You can even do some things on the back end to ensure you stop seeing ads from the stores that most trigger you. I did this recently. So if you're on social media and on Meta specifically, you can on Facebook go into your settings. So click on the settings tab, click on add information, and then you can see which brands are targeting you for audience-based advertising. You can also see which advertisers you've interacted with before on the Meta platform and are continuing to target you because they know you're an easy sale. Now, if you have never done this, if you've never gone and done a deep dive into this area of Facebook, first of all, it's hard to find. But second of all, make sure you're sitting down and make sure you're ready to have your mind blown. (laughs) You will likely see hundreds, and I'm not joking, hundreds of advertisers that you have either interacted with before, you've clicked on it, you've liked it, you've commented, maybe you've even purchased, and advertisers who somehow have your information and they've uploaded your information to Meta and are now targeting you that way. Now, you can hide ads from all of them if you prefer, and I strongly suggest you do, especially if you are triggered by your situation, by scrolling around online. It is a long and slow and arduous process to hide ads because you have to do it one by one. You have to hide ads from individual advertisers one by one. But doing so may likely be in your best interest moving forward. So there's that. Now, of course, I have to say there is one other way to be less influenced by the situational triggers, of course, and that is to get offline, to go live your real life. And remember, of course, that real living is not happening on the internet. So that's trigger number one. It's the situational triggers. Now we're moving on to number two, and that is the cognitive triggers. We've mentioned it before on the show, but it bears repeating, bears repeating multiple times. Our minds lie to us. Yes, they do. Our minds do not always have our best interests in mind. Cognitive triggers take the form of thoughts you have that propel you to buy. Some examples include Oh, if I don't buy this right now, I'll never be able to have it. Or I deserve a reward for completing that big project at work. Or when I find pants that make my butt look good, I'd be a fool to not buy them. (laughs) Or if I buy this handbag, I will appear more successful and then I'll get more business. Those are all examples of ways in which our mind entices us to buy. They are cognitive triggers. Listeners, you often reach out and some of you say that you find it hard to not buy uh, when you think you're not going to be able to get something that great again or when you think you deserve a reward. Those are two big ones that come to mind. And yes, these types of cognitive triggers are really darn hard to resist, but 
Again, that's why we're inserting the pause, because if you insert that pause, you may very likely realize that the spell has been broken and you don't need to purchase the item in question, even though your mind is pushing you to buy it. Shopping for stuff at its root. So if you get rid of all the excuses your brain is telling you to buy something at its root, you get rid of all the excuses at its base. Shopping is grounded on meeting psychological and social needs. And so if we experience a cognitive trigger, which is to say that our mind is trying to trick us into believing we can meet a social or psychological need with a thing, we got to question that. And so the group of items I want to discuss here as they relate to cognitive triggers is items on sale. So if you have trouble saying no and walking away from a good sale, especially stuff that's heavily on sale, like clearance, right? What a bargain. What a deal. Know that you can master your cognitive triggers. You can become the master, not the slave. I know because I've done it, and I'm sure many of you have as well, especially if you consider yourself a minimalist. If you have ever had that nagging sense that our world of plenty is hollow, that our world of plenty is a house of cards, that's a better way of saying it. If you've ever felt you have been hoodwinked by consumerist culture, if you have ever had that quiet but nagging sensation that you are using up your time and energy and money in pursuit of things that simply cannot make you happy long term, if you've ever felt any of that, I strongly suggest you lean into it. Don't brush it off. It's uncomfortable. You don't want to go there. Go there. Sit with it. Because right around the corner of sitting with those uncomfortable and, frankly, countercultural messages is the lifting of the consumerist veil. None of the stuff that's sold to us matters. It's all a mirage. It's not real. Accumulating stuff is not where we should be putting our efforts. There is more to life than amassing junk. (laughs) And even though everybody else is amassing junk, they're hamsters on the wheel. You have the consciousness, and you know you have the consciousness because you've had those quiet but nagging countercultural thoughts. So you have the consciousness that's needed to hop off the wheel. So the take-home message I'm trying to make there is if you have trouble not buying stuff that's on sale because Your mind, your brain is telling you, oh, it's such a good deal. You need it. Sit with those nagging feelings that you have deep down, right? It's a quiet voice, but it's there. And it's telling you that you're using your energy, your money, your time, and you're putting all those things in the wrong places. Sit with that feeling. We have the emotional triggers to go to next. The emotional triggers are the most difficult to master. They also happen to be the most prevalent. It's a big category. So we're going to take our ad break. And when we come back, we are going to bring to light, bring out into the open the emotional triggers. I'll see you in a minute. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection 
They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we're back. On today's show, we are discussing our shopping triggers. Before the break, we discussed the situational triggers as well as the cognitive triggers. And during our break, I was thinking, I just want to make clear the point that we all experience shopping triggers. Every single one of us listening right now, we are triggered to buy (laughs) multiple times a day, dozens, maybe even a hundred times a day. The difference lies in the fact that some of us can notice the triggers and insert the pause, and others, we don't even know that we're being triggered, we just buy unconsciously. So today, the the goal, my hope is today, that by identifying our triggers, we can more effectively insert that pause before we buy. So we're moving on to the emotional triggers, and I did mention before the break that the emotional triggers are the most difficult to master. They are also the most common, and that's because we humans, we often shop for emotional reasons, and sometimes we are so unconscious to that. We have no idea that our emotions are triggering our shopping. Emotional triggers are what's behind The fact that when we're feeling some sort of way, we shop to alleviate the feeling. It can also be the case that you're feeling great, and so you shop to heighten or increase the length of your happiness, right? Some examples include, you know, you're feeling annoyed or angry with your partner, so you shop to forget about it, to push down the feeling, Perhaps you're feeling a sense of sadness that you can't shake, so you're looking for some bargains to lift your mood. Perhaps you're feeling lonely or disconnected from others, so you shop to be around other people, to feel a sense of connection, heck, to have a conversation with the salesperson, even if that conversation is only 20 seconds long. Perhaps you find yourself coming up short when you compare yourself to other people. So you shop to try and build yourself up and shut down that feeling of inadequacy. Perhaps you shop to drown out 
some self-blame or some shame. This is all quite common, quite, quite common. And so the group of items that I want to discuss as they relate to emotional triggers is, of course, the fashion items, the clothing, the shoes, and the accessories that we adorn our external selves with. Not so fun fact time. In general, compulsive shoppers do not accept themselves for who they are. They often feel insecure. They often desire to transform themselves into their idealized version through clothes and other fashion items. And so if you have trouble not buying unnecessary, unneeded clothes and other accessories, remember what step one is. Step one is always to limit your exposure. I'm on dry January right now. As I'm recording this, it's January 10th. I am on day 10, actually day 11, because I drank no alcohol on New Year's Eve. So I'm on day 11 of dry January. Should I be going into bars right now? Should I be surrounding myself with alcohol and people who are drinking alcohol? Heck no, because bars are temptation. And it's the same for shopping. Many shoppers realize that the smartest and easiest way to curb their spending on unneeded fashion items is to limit their exposure to such temptations in the first place. This is being smart. (laughs) This is working smarter, not harder. So limit your exposure to your favorite fashion blogger. Limit your exposure to those targeted ads like we talked to with the situational triggers. Limit your exposure to those emails that are shouting out the latest sale. Limit your exposure to all of that first. The reason here is that for many people, if you see an ad or if you see an influencer, if you see something that you just are dying to have and you don't buy it, if you are especially triggered by emotional triggers, then you are going to likely end up feeling a sense of scarcity after not buying. So there's going to be an emotional trigger to buy. You don't buy. And then you are going to be emotionally triggered again by a feeling of scarcity or being not enough or some other form of enoughness coming up for you. I want to say to you, if that's your experience, you are enough just the way you are right now. And I don't even need to know you to know that you are enough. You are plenty. You do not need another item to adorn your external self with to make you worthy. You're worthy just the way you are. Step two is to realize that shopping is only one way in which human beings can handle tough feelings. It is the culturally endorsed way, absolutely, but shopping is not what's best for you or the planet, by the way, long term. There are lots of maladaptive ways that we human beings handle our tough feelings. Drugs, alcohol, those are the big ones that come to mind. Overeating, overexercising even. I challenge you here and now to explore other ways to handle all your feels in a productive manner. I have plenty of maladaptive habits. (laughs) I am no Miss Perfect by any means. I have so many maladaptive habits. But my number one productive habit is, of course, to exercise. I say this until I'm blue in the face. But for me, 
running moves the negative energy, those negative emotions on out. They move the energy out. And this works for me 999 out of 1,000 times. It works for me. Exercise may not work for you, but I do, regardless, ask you, what works for you? What productive ways can you handle your tough feelings and has nothing to do with shopping? All right, we're moving on to, um, is this number four? Oh, yes, it is. Number four, it's the interpersonal triggers. These type of triggers relate to our relationships and interactions with others. We have a relationship or an interaction with another person, and it entices us to buy something. Examples, how about you want to meet your friend and you tend to meet them at the mall shopping? How about you want to impress somebody else, so you buy new clothes. Maybe you're going on a date. You want to look extra extra fancy, extra fine. You buy a new outfit, even though you have lots of outfits already. How about this one? This is a big one. You are very rarely home in time for family dinner, so you buy stuff for your children to compensate. We're going to talk about that in a minute. How about somebody criticizes you, and so you feel the need to compensate by buying something new? These are all interpersonal triggers. And so the group of items that I want to discuss as they relate to interpersonal triggers is buying items for our children that they don't need. If you don't have children, you could also insert the word children for other people in your life, buying stuff for other people in your life. If this is you, if you find yourself buying stuff for your children or other people in your life that they don't need, Step one is to ask yourself, what on earth is motivating your behavior? I'm willing to bet there's an emotional trigger happening simultaneous to the interpersonal trigger. And again, that is the recipe for a disaster. However, we are a society of parents who are racked with guilt, aren't we? We feel guilty because we have to work every day, and so we're not there as much for our kids. We feel guilty because we're leaving our child in daycare with a babysitter. We feel guilty because we threw out all our children's artwork when they aren't home. I just did that. Don't tell my kids. We feel guilty that we're not spending enough time with our children. Guilt, guilt, guilt. Parental guilt. Oh my goodness. It wears each and every one of us down. Remember, your child does not need an endless supply of toys nor do they need another outfit. What they need is your love. And when you attempt to show your love through a thing, yes, you may get a bit of love thrown back your way, but that is temporary love. It's fleeting love. What you're really doing there is you're perpetuating the societal messaging that love and other big, heavy emotions lie in stuff. You're reinforcing the cultural messaging that we on this show are trying so darn hard to break. This is hard truth time, guys, hard truth time. But you're effectively ensuring that the next generation will retain that white knuckle grip on consumption as the solution to all of life's problems, as the solution to big feelings, as the solution to interpersonal woes. And one more hard truth, I have to say it, I have to do it. If we shower them with gifts and stuff because we're feeling a certain way, perhaps we're feeling guilty, what are we doing to the child 
it's one thing to talk about what we're doing with regard to perpetuating cultural beliefs about consumerism, but what are we doing to the child when we throw stuff their way because we're feeling guilty or some other big emotion? What we're doing is we're increasing the chances that our child is going to grow up to be selfish and demanding and narcissistic. The research supports that. And so ask yourself, how else can you show your child love? How else can you show your child love? When you ask yourself that question, the answer becomes crystal clear. Give them more of you, your time, your attention, your love. Don't give them more stuff. All right, we're moving on to the fifth and final shopping trigger, and that, of course, is the physical trigger. And I am so excited to talk about this one because it's really simple, but it's the one that gets me nine times out of 10. The physical triggers are, so you're feeling some sort of physical sensation that entices you to shop. Physical pain is a shopping trigger. You have a headache and you need to relax. You don't want to go lie down. So you distract yourself by scrolling on the internet. Uh, you have back pain that has been plaguing you. So you temporarily try to forget about it by taking a trip to the mall. You're on a diet and you're really hungry because you're restricting your calories. So you shop in order to take your mind off food. You can't sleep. You have insomnia, but you're really tired. So you turn on QVC. Is QVC still around? I don't even know. But you turn on the shopping channel to see what deals you might be able to score at 2 a.m. The big one for me in terms of physical triggers is I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm out and about and I'm hungry. And so I want to buy food to alleviate the hunger. And so, of course, when it comes to physical triggers, the group of items I need to talk about because they're hitting me so hard is the food, buying food that you don't need. Buying food you need, that is <laughs> a-okay, right? We need food to sustain our existence. Uh, but food that we don't need is what I really want to discuss right now. And so I have to say, a little bit of a story time, I have been diligently planning out my family's meals and then going into this grocery store and buying only the food that we need. I have been near perfect at cooking the meals that I have planned out. We have not ordered out. We have not stopped for a snack or coffee during the days. And there have absolutely been times in which the opportunity presented itself. Just last weekend, Saturday, my family, we went skiing. We have ski passes. So don't don't write to me and say, oh, but you went skiing. That's on a no spend. We have season passes or we used our skiing passes. And we were there for lunch. Okay. Everybody around us is eating the most delicious smelling food, the French fries, the chicken fingers, the chips, the hot cocoa even. We didn't even buy hot cocoa. And there's my family in the corner of the ski lodge eating the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that I packed. Dun, dun, dun. Like it was a ho-hum moment, right? Uh, but I have been, and I'm patting myself on the back publicly here because it has been so hard to not buy food when we're out and about, and we haven't bought food. I'm proud of it. So that was Saturday. Let's go to Sunday now. Sunday, if you live in the Northeast, you know it. We had a major snowstorm. We are driving home in the major snowstorm. We left well before dinner. I knew that at home we had a bag of tortellini. I was going to make tortellini. I was going to heat up some frozen peas on the side. There's dinner, okay? Well, 
We're driving home, major snowstorm, major traffic, really slow speeds. It took us an extra hour and a half to get home than it should have, I would say. And so, yeah, we're all on the road. We're hangry. Everybody's hangry. Everybody's tired. We want food. And yes, I did pack snacks, but the snacks just weren't cutting it anymore because by now it's dinner time. If I'm telling, I'm saying it out loud. If I was not on a no spend January, I would have on Sunday absolutely stopped and grabbed dinner somewhere. This is a physical trigger, right? This hangriness, this physical sensation of being hungry. And from where I'm sitting, it seems that the easy way to nix this physical trigger, of course, is to pack food ahead of time, having snacks always on hand, being prepared for hanger before hanger hits. But in terms of my examples here, in terms of my life, when I dig a little bit deeper, I realize that being hungry isn't all that there is there. It goes a little bit deeper than just the physical trigger because there's an emotional trigger happening as well. There have been plenty of times when I've had a kitchen full of food that could be transformed into a big nourishing dinner for my family, but I really just want to order pizza anyway. So what's going on there? I think what's happening there is, number one, I'm tired. So that's another physical trigger. I'm tired and I'm hungry, and I don't want to cook another meal. I need a break. And so the emotional trigger for me there, on top of those two physical triggers, may be a bit of resentment at my husband due to the fact that, by and large, I'm the only one who does the cooking in my family. And so the solution to this emotional trigger colliding in real time with the physical triggers of hunger and fatigue, the solution is not to order the pizza. The solution is to work out a more equitable means of getting dinner on the table with my husband. So I don't really have any concrete steps for you to stop buying food that you don't need when you have a kitchen full of food to begin with. However, if you are susceptible to physical triggers, I suggest you see whether that physical trigger is paired with an emotional trigger. And yes, absolutely. Step one here is to handle the physical trigger first. So if you're hungry, pack a lot of snacks and always have them on hand. But really, the the lasting component here is to handle the emotional trigger. In my case, it's the resentment towards my husband for never cooking dinner. It's handling that simultaneously. And so I have a final word for you today. And it does not come from me. It comes from psychologist Paul Watchell. In his 1983 book titled The Poverty of Affluence, Dr. Watchell writes that, quote, the more you believe that happiness comes from material wealth, the more likely you are to be depressed, distressed, and anxious, and the less actual well-being you're likely to experience. We do not need a psychologist to tell us this. Because I'm willing to bet we already know this deep down in our heart of hearts. Material goods cannot transform self-doubt. Stuff cannot raise our self-esteem in lasting ways. And so before you buy anything, I invite you to ask yourself six questions. These questions come directly from Dr. Benson's book, which I will link in this week's show notes. I'm going to read the questions, but I also want you to know that in this week's show notes, I have a link. You can go directly to Dr. Benson's website, and you can print out a little uh, calling card. 
is calling card what you call them? <laughs> you can print out a little version, a little calling card version of these six questions to put in your wallet, which I have done and I find to be super helpful. So the questions are, why am I here? How do I feel? Do I need this? What if I wait? How will I pay for it? And finally, where will I put it? So ask yourself these questions if you're in a store and you're ready to buy something. Also ask these questions to yourself if you're online and you're taking out your wallet and getting your credit card. Look at these questions that are strategically and consciously placed in your wallet before you buy. That's our show today. I want to just say, too, related to this show is going to be next Thursday's show where I am covering in graphic detail (laughs) my family's attempt to stay away from Amazon this month. I did not anticipate quitting Amazon in January. I have a lot going on. It's dry January, no spend January. I've got my personal resolutions happening. I'm trying to learn how to sew. And here's another one. I'm trying to break my Amazon addiction once and for all. And so I'm going to talk about that on Thursday, if that's of interest to you. We will be back tomorrow for headlines. I will see you then. If this episode helped you in any way, shape, or form, please tell a friend or family member about it. And thank you so much. I will see you tomorrow for headlines and take care.